Hey there, future fans. This week, Leno's a lady, Fido is hiding something, and Fox disappoints us for the final time. This is the week of June 7th, 2019, and you are listening to episode 136 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show i was kind of heavy-handed with both the title and the opening this week wasn't i well that's because it's not even a question which wide release isn't going to be my pick i i have made no effort in hiding that i think dark phoenix is going to blow but guess what we have other better looking movies coming out this week so i will also talk about those well you know what let's not waste any more time and just jump right into it what is this show what are you even listening to that's a good question you are listening to future flicks with billiam this is episode 136 called dark disappointments and what do i do on this show i do quite a few things first off we always start out with an opening, which is usually a little longer than that, but I'm trying to record this and edit this as quick as I can to guarantee a Thursday release, and we will see how that goes. So usually we open with some random opening, just something I think of off the top of my head. And then we go into the first segment, which is always the news. I talk about any movie news that has caught my eye since the last episode. After that, we go into everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove where I talk about every trailer that has caught my eye since the last episode. Then we jump into the movies, which are broken up into two categories. First is the limited releases. Those are any movies that are not getting a wide release and also didn't catch my eye. That's because on this show, I judge every film by its trailer. Because I believe that since a trailer is how a movie sells itself, if it can't even do that right, then it doesn't deserve my view. So in the first segment, which is, once again, the limited releases, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. Maybe I will give a thought or two, but usually we move through that pretty quick. Then we go into the wide releases and interesting indies, and just like it sounds, that's every wide release, even if it's Dark Phoenix, I think it's going to suck. And those indie movies that I think look really good, or at least interesting enough to warrant consideration. In that segment, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, who's in it, and then I give my thoughts on it, and then I give it a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score, a.k.a. the Bill Score. That can go anywhere from a zero for those terrible, terrible films to an 11 for those films that turn it up that extra notch and just blow my mind. We wrap it all up with a question of the week, and then I send you along your way to listen to the other great shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. That is Nerds of the Squared Circle and the flagship show, Somewhat Nerdy Radio. And Nerds of the Squared Circle, congratulations, guys. You are celebrating your 100th episode. And you know what? I can't miss any other episodes because I can't let you catch up. I'm sorry. I just cannot do that. I want to give a special shout out to a friend of mine from college. Uh, Her name is Lisa, and her and her friend Robbie have started a brand new podcast called We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. 
episode five just dropped, and it's basically just them having conversations. Lisa is from my area. Well, kind of, technically. She's from San Jose. And Robbie is from the United Kingdom, just like my wife. But unlike my wife, he is from, and I believe Scotland. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. And they just talk about stuff. And you know what? It's a cute show. And I don't mean cute show as an, oh, look at you. You're such a cute show. Yes, you are. Like some sort of ass. No, honest to God, I think it's a cute show. They're, they're, they work adorably together. And there's my cat just kind of staring at the wall, staring at the corner, actually. I guess my house is haunted. If this, uh, if this is the last episode I ever do because I'm killed by a ghost, I am sorry. Tell my wife I love her. Someone please pick her up from the airport. So yes, they, uh, Lisa has what I believe is a weekly podcast. Let me see. Yep, every week. You can find it on most podcast apps, uh, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And who knows, maybe even one day we'll even guest star on each other's shows because, you know what, Vegan Dan, if you're listening, I would love to be on Uncorked Gamers again. But I have to be honest, the time you record is the time I go to bed. That's what happens when you get old. And you're getting there, buddy. You went to high school with me. You're just, you're, you're just a little ways behind. Well, it's kind of like I actually did have that unscripted opening, didn't I? I just saved it until after the housekeeping. Well, now that we're out of the housekeeping, let us jump into the first segment, which as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. We have news from the new Bond movie. Apparently there was something very James Bondish going down, but didn't quite end as well. There was an explosion on the set of Bond 25. No one was seriously injured. Apparently a crew member near the blast was injured. Luckily, no loss of limb or life. So far as I know, Daniel Craig hasn't been injured yet, but hasn't that been the status quo with the recent movies? And I think that's one reason he's just kind of over it. I love me some Bond films. I really do. But I think this movie is cursed and I am not going to hold my breath. First, we had Danny Boyle walk away. Well, technically first, we had to have Daniel Craig be super convinced with a metric ton of money to even return to a series that he hates. Then we had Danny Boyle walk away, who was replaced by Carrie Fuka. Okay, I had to look it up. Fukunaga, Kerry Fukunaga is the new director. And nothing against him. Nothing against Kerry Fukunaga. But come on, Danny Boyle would have been dope. So far, this is still set for an April 8th, 2020 release. Uh, that last story came to us from The Guardian. This one comes to us from The New York Times. Apparently, Christoph Waltz has signed on for Woody Allen's new movie. And isn't Woody Allen kind of cancer now? I mean, isn't his new movie not coming out in America because of the fact that he's kind of a creep. If I remember right, it's a movie about New York or some other American city, but it's about an American city. It's not even going to get any screen time in America unless some distribution companies or, or some some theaters or someone changes their mind. Anyway, just, just working with Woody Allen is ballsy now just because you get judged for that. So we'll see what, uh, what Christoph Waltz's reasoning is. In news from... God, I love some of these sites. BamsMcPow.com. Keanu Reeves is reportedly in talks to join the MCU in The Eternals. And also, there's been a lot of Keanu Reeves love recently, ever since A, John Wick 3 came out, and B, Always Be My Maybe came out, which he's in. So apparently, his, in, his entrance in that movie has become a meme. And... I guess people just started sharing their their stories of meeting Keanu Reeves and how he's like the greatest human being ever. And what warms my heart is that if he if he had been a secret ass, 
I really, truly believe this is when that story would have come out. But so far, there's been nothing but amazing things. Like, at the very least, him just smiling at people and saying hi. Which, let's be honest, is still more than some actors do. But, okay, I, I do understand that these people get hounded all the time. Privacy isn't a thing. And if I lived in that life, I'm not sure if I could be super nice all the time. Because despite the swear-filled rants I go on, I'm considered, I'm considered a pretty nice guy. And even I don't think I could be that nice. But it's just good to know that some people, even Keanu Reeves with his tragic, tragic life story, can still be so personable. Uh, the Eternals currently doesn't have a set release date. All we know that it is coming out in 2020. Unless it gets pushed back, but you know, it's Disney, they're pretty good about that, and when they do move movies around, it's usually because they want to maximize profits. And for this movie, they have pulled another indie director to do it, Chloe Zhao. And I think when, when Disney does this, they are really, really smart. Because some of these indie directors look at Taika Waititi amazing at what he does. Just imagine what they can do with a budget. And also it breathes fresh life into the whole MCU. Like, tell me that Thor Ragnarok wasn't exactly what the MCU needed. I mean, it turned the character around. So I can't wait to see what Chloe Zhao does. The only confirmed cast so far is Angelina Jolie, Kumail Nanjiani, and Dong Sik Ma. Uh, Dong Sik Ma, uh, which I know I'm mispronouncing terribly. I don't know how to pronounce Korean very well. So if anyone knows, let me know. Uh, but that gentleman is in a movie coming out this week. Rumored to be added to the cast, of course, are Keanu Reeves and Richard Madden. This next story comes to us from Uprox. Apparently, Fox was working on their own Avengers-type movie to, that would include the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and, and the other properties that they had owned, like Deadpool. Apparently, a script for the first movie was written, but the project was scrapped before it even got to get past the script. And I'm not sure I think we missed out on anything, because Fox has done some really good comic book movies, but they also have done utter sh** and I wouldn't want to risk that. So I think the fewer movies they did, it ended up better for us. In what could possibly be terrible news, this coming to us from Digital Spy, J.K. Rowling is expanding the wizarding world of Harry Potter once again with four new books. Now, before some of you get excited, these aren't new full books. These, these are just some textbooks from the series. She's writing um, Charms and Defense Against the Dark Arts, Potion and Herbology, Divinations and Astronomy, and Care of Magical Creatures. Uh, so basically, she just wants to milk that cash cow teat a little more. And I just hope she doesn't ruin it more, because let's be honest, Harry Potter was amazing. I, it's one of the, my favorite book series of all times. I think it's a fantastic story. She was a great writer for that time. I haven't read her books that she's written as Robert Galabrath, and I never read Casual, Casual Vacancy. But it seems like everything else she's adding to Harry Potter is just sh**. The first Fantastic Beasts, I really liked. The second one was awful. So maybe it's time she just walks away. After Fantastic Beasts are done, maybe she should just walk away. The next story comes to us from 10 News, which is a local San Diego news company, news outlet. Station! Station, that's a word. News station. Apparently, the San Diego Regal Cinemas are offering $1 kids movies this summer. So if you guys live near the whale's vagina, look that up.
All right, I just had to pause for a little bit because a plane flew over my house because even though I'm not right near the airport, just a tiny airport for people that own like Cessnas and things like that, even though I don't live right next to it, I'm kind of in their path. And I think that is very selfish of them. Don't they ask themselves what I would think about them flying over? No, they don't. Quit being selfish. Let's move on with the news. Apparently, Spider-Man Far From Home took some lessons from the Avengers Endgame trailer, and apparently they didn't blow their load before the movie even came out. A producer on the movie has said that, quote, concerning the villains, quote, we went digging and found characters. I'm not going to say exactly which ones yet, because we want to leave some dots for the fans to connect. And so help me God. If this isn't leading us to a Sinister Six movie, you better get the f*** out of here. Spider-Man Far From Home comes out July 2nd. And ladies and gentlemen, you probably have already heard this, but I'm going to tell you anyway because it's me. And you can hear it in my voice. Yay. Robert Pattinson is now officially Batman. And rumor has it that he appeared at his audition in The Cape and Cowl. And I, I still say that I am willing to give Robert Pattinson the chance. Because remember, folks, there's never been anyone that has played Batman that fans have been happy with until they saw him. And even some fans weren't happy with it after they saw him. But even some of our favorite ones, like Michael Keaton and Christian Bale, and for those of you with taste, Batfleck, people complained about them before they were even seen in the role, and then they've become favorites. Oh, I'm reading this news story from the playlist. Apparently, it was only Robert Pattinson and Nicholas Holt that tried out. But here, here's a quick question. Who would you have preferred out of the two? I like Nicholas Holt a lot, but I think Robert Pattinson would do a better job. If you're a fan of Rob Zombie movies, then next week his Three From Hell trailer will be released. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, there's a story from Slash Film about a punky Brewster reboot. Like, I'm not even going to read the story more. I, I, I don't care. You know me. You know that I am willing to give reboots a chance that I believe they can be good, but why the f***? Would you reboot Punky Brewster? Like, is there this underground group that's like calling for reboots for this sh** that none of us know about? Because they need to be stopped. Is that what's really on the dark web? I've been told that the dark web was just full of criminals, but maybe it's full of people wanting shitty remakes. I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like going to Fathom event things, and why not? Because sometimes they're cool. The Muppet movie is returning to theaters for its 40th anniversary on Two showings for for Fathom, July 25th and July 30th. And if you live anywhere even remotely close to a, a sizable city, you probably have somewhere that's going to show this. You probably have some theater near you that has Fathom events at it. So keep an eye out for that. In What the F*** News from Slash Film, apparently Fred Durst, that's right, Limp Biscuits Fred Durst, has directed a movie with John Travolta in it, and it's coming out on Amazon Prime this month. Uh, uh, okay, you got to go on IMDb or you got to just Google it to see this picture of John Travolta from it. Because if I didn't know this was John Travolta, it may have taken me a while to, to see this. But this was written, co-written, and fully directed by Fred Durst. And it stars John Travolta and uh, no one else of note. Oh, maybe this person. Apparently, this gentleman, Devin Sawa, for movies like Final Destinations and Idle Hands. This film is called The Fanatic, and it comes... Okay, well, here's the interesting thing. It's supposed to have a release date of August 16th, but according to Slash Film, it's coming... Not Slash Film. Uh, according to... Yeah, Slash Film, and it's hitting Amazon this month. So we'll see which one's correct. And ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. Once again, 
if I miss any news or if I miss any trailers in the next segment, always let me know and I will talk about it on the next episode. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with that, it is time to go into everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast and welcome to the trailer trove. All right, everyone, we start with the first trailer for Brad Pitt's, well, one of his newest movies. This one's called Ad Astra, and it's a sci-fi adventure mystery. Uh, this is about a guy named Roy McBride, and he's an astronaut. And one day he's up at some space station, and he's outside doing a spacewalk, and the space station explodes, goes kablooey, and he goes falling to Earth, somehow survives. Maybe it's in his head, because I'm not sure how you can survive falling from space to Earth. Like, wouldn't you get burned the f*** up going through the atmosphere? But, well, whatever, we, we don't know yet. Either way, he survives, and then he's brought in by the government to go, oh, hey, by the way, you know your father who thought was dead on this mission? Well, maybe he's not. We're going to send you to the outer edges of the solar system to find him. Because when we sent him out there, he was working on some sketchy shit, and this might be tied to it. It looks really interesting, and it looks like it has this nice mix of plausible science fiction and over-the-top action science fiction, but not a not a blockbuster level over-the-top science fiction. I think Interstellar, with just enough action to keep things interesting. I think this looks really good. Besides Brad Pitt, we have Tommy Lee Jones, Liv Tyler, Donald Sutherland, and Ruth Nega. Or is it Nega? Or Nija? Or something? N-E-G-G-A. She was Reyna in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Mildred in that movie Loving. Either way, this film comes out September 20th, and I think it looks really good, and I'm going to keep an eye on this one. Also, this week we had a trailer for a re-release, a new cut of Apocalypse Now, a recut that was supervised by Francis Ford Coppola himself. Apocalypse Now, of course, the classic war drama from Francis Ford Coppola himself, starring Martin Sheen, Marlon Brando, Robert Duvall, um, Lawrence Fishburne... Oh, Dennis Hopper, that's right. Scott Glenn. Oh, I just realized. Okay, so Marlon Brando's character is, is Colonel Walter E. Kurtz in this. And in the book and the terrible movie of Dreamcatcher by Stephen King, the main bad guy who was a military officer was named Kurtz. Is that a coincidence? I think not. Anyway, if you've never seen this in theaters, I believe it is getting theater time, actually. Yes, it is. Maybe sometime in August, because it's getting released in the United Kingdom for all y'all over there on August 13th. So keep an eye open for that one. We have a trailer for this weird acid trip horror movie called In Fabric, brought to us by our good indie friends at A24. And this is about a cursed dress. And this unfortunate woman, played by Marianne Jean-Baptiste, who just happens to purchase the dress. Uh, this also stars Gwendolyn Christie. And it's one of those movies that I can't tell, at least right now from the trailer, if it's brilliant or stupid. It's like Brian Q, I, I think I talked about this on the show, that he recommended this movie called Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story to me. And it's the story of Karen Carpenter, of course, from The Carpenters. The singing duo that brought us songs like Superstar, Rainy Days and Mondays. And when I started watching it, I was thinking, Brian, what the f*** did you have me watch? What is this? And by the end, I was like, this is, this is actually really good. And even though these two movies are completely different, 
it's still the same feeling it gives me where it could potentially be brilliant or what the flying sh did I just watch. And now for a trailer you actually may have seen, we had the first look at Onward, Disney Pixar's new movie. And this one is set in a suburban fantasy world, so so close to my favorite genre, urban fantasy. I think technically it counts, but I'm not going to count it because I'm a stubborn ass. But this takes place way in the future of this magic world where now it's just like ours. There's cars, everyone has jobs, pets, and two brothers are going on a quest to find out if magic still exists. This Features of voices, so far all we know of is Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Octavia Spencer, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. This comes out March 6th, 2020, so we have a ways to wait. I actually have to thank the Movie Clips Trailers YouTube channel for most of these trailers because I, I usually take note when they come out. But my YouTube feed is showing me way too many Smash Brothers tournaments and magic tutorials. So I was like, where are all the trailers? Oh, I guess I've been watching other stuff. Uh, we have a trailer for a movie called Plus One, and this is an indie comedy if I've ever seen one, and it looks cute, it really does. In this case, I'm not using indie as a bad word. Uh, this is about two people who are habitually single, looking for love, and it's wedding season. You know, that time of year when it seems like everyone gets married, and just like celebrity deaths come in threes, it seems like everyone gets married all around the same time. Well, they decide to team up so they don't have to go alone or find dates, so they go to all of the weddings together, and along the way, people start noticing, hey, you work well together, maybe you should go out. But they're like, ew, no, we're friends, I don't see her that way, and I don't see him that way. And I guess that's the point of the movie. Do Will they eventually see each other that way? Because for some people, the whole thing is that some people can never see the opposite sex as a true best friend. Like, just be friends with them without having anything sexual to do. Stereotypically, that's a guy thing, but it really does go both ways. So will this movie be a case that this is the case for them? They have no interest romantically or sexually with each other, and they just want to be friends. Or will they fall for each other? Either way, I think this is going to be a cute movie. Uh, the most famous person in it, uh, let me see. It has Maya, uh, what's her name, Erskine, I think that's how you say it, from Pen15 on Hulu and Wine Country on Netflix. And it has Jack Quaid from movies like The Hunger Games, Logan Lunky, and Rampage. Uh, also, Ed Bagley Jr., this comes out June 14th, so, well, really soon. Next up, future fans, we have the trailer for a film called The Kitchen, and I am excited for this. It was nothing like I thought. With one look at the cast, I thought it was going to be a straight-up comedy, but no way is this a comedy. It looks like there's, like, two jokes. I saw two kind of, like, tongue-in-cheek jokes in the trailer, but most of all, this was a crime drama. But, Billiam, you may be wondering, why did you think that the with that cast it was going to be a comedy? Well, let me tell you the two, two of the three main stars. Well, one of them, Elizabeth Moss, she can do, she's done serious for a long time. We know this. Here are the other two, Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish. No, 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 don't go away. No, no, no. This isn't one of their comedies. So, I think this is a film that someone could watch even if they don't like either McCarthy or Haddish just because their particular type of comedy won't come into play because this is a crime drama. It takes place in 1970s Hell's Kitchen and about three women whose husbands were uh, were arrested. Their husbands were part of the mob and arrested. The mob says, you know, we'll take care of you, but they don't. They don't really take care of them. They give them barely enough money to survive. And so these women decide, hey, you know what? Let's do what our husbands did. So let's start the racketeering and murder. And 
This movie looks really, really interesting. And this is written and directed by Andrea Burloff, who was a writer for Straight Out of Compton, World Trade Center, Bloodfather, with Mel Gibson, Sleepless. She's writing the new Conan movie, Legend of Conan. So she has plenty of experience writing action movies. Uh, not just action, I'm sorry, action and serious dramas. And this is her, her directorial debut, and I am looking forward to it. We're going to see this movie come out on August 9th. And I will tell you this right now. If this movie is not the pick of the week, then something amazing is coming out the same week. Which means it will be a great week for movies, because this movie looks really good. Uh, finally in the trove, ladies and gentlemen, unless there's something else I see between now and when I edit, we have Rambo Last Blood. Um, this... Actually came out last week, I didn't talk about it, and I'm 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 still not sure. I mean, I love me some Rambo, and I think Sylvester Stallone is really in his element in these movies, and he's proven that he his his series has have an arc to them. They start out good, they just kind of get ridiculous, ridiculous but enjoyable, and then near the end it goes back up to good again, just like Rocky did. And now maybe this is going to be the same thing. I get an idea of what the premise is, but still not quite clear. Something about his past comes back to haunt him. So basically, John Rambo has to kill a whole bunch of people. In Rambo Last Blood, which they do say is the final movie in the series. But here, if I guarantee you, if Rambo Last Blood does really well, or at least beats their projections then we, they will try to get him to do another one. But as of this moment, Rambo Last Blood is going to be the final one, and it comes out September 20th, 2019. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the first part of the show. Let us take our break and hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Please stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds in a Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds in a Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the limited releases, and there are actually quite a few this week. Let's start with one called Leto. A love triangle emerges around a rock and roll musician, his protege, and his wife in 1980s Russia. This stars two Russians and a German-born Korean. So yeah, no one we know. This may be a New York-only release. I had three different sites telling me a whole bunch of different things. So if for some reason this interests you, you may not even get to see it if it does. I'm sorry. The next one we have is a documentary called This One's For The Ladies. Okay, first let me tell you just the bare bones of what it's about, and then I'll give you two synopsises. One from IMDb, one from Movie Insider. So basically, this is about a male strip club 
that has all black dancers and thus primarily caters to black women. I mean, I doubt they'd turn away a white woman if she came in. I really don't think so. But a majority of the customers are black women. So here's the IMDb premise. <clears throat> this documentary explores the sexual and social identity of contemporary black America through intimate, eye-opening, and often hilarious accounts from women and men who find love and community in the underground world of exotic dancing. Movie Insider says... Every Thursday night, hundreds of women gather for a potluck celebration and the chance to throw singles at the hottest dancers in New Jersey. The Nasty Boys, featuring Satan, Mr. Capable, Fever, Young Rider, and lesbian Dom dancer Blaze. So one of these premises, I think, is actually accurate. The other one sounds like horse shit. But Billy and me may be saying, we are confused. Which one is horse shit? Which one could it be? Hmm... I watched two different trailers, the regular and the red band, and nothing about these trailers made me think that the IMDb synopsis is anything close to true. This is just a documentary about a male strip club. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't sell it to me as some culture study. Go f*** yourself. And the weird thing was, in the red band trailer, I didn't see a single penis. All I saw was all these three-legged men jumping around. It was weird. And I will take that low-hanging fruit. Thank you very much. I mean, Jesus Christ, some of these guys poor poor girlfriends or wives. For any regular man, it must be like throwing a hot dog down a hallway, okay? But you know what? Good for them. These guys were blessed and they make thousands and thousands of dollars showing off what God gave them, so good for them. Let's move on to the next limited release called The Hollowed Ground. A married couple trying to rebuild their relationship after an affair travel to a secluded cabin and stumbles into a blood feud between the Native American owner of the property and the neighboring hillbilly clan. This stars no one of note and looks awful. And this is one of those movies that doesn't feature a lesbian couple to be progressive. It features a lesbian couple to have girls kissing. Tells you the quality of the movie for that one. Next up, we have a movie called... Project Ithaca. A group of strangers awaken aboard an alien spacecraft. Divided, they will die. Together, they can find a way home. This stars no one. And even though it's a sci-fi movie, it saddens me to say this looks like utter horse Next up is a super cheery documentary called Ghost Fleet. This is a documentary about a small group of activists who will risk it all on a remote island in Indonesia to fight against slavery and human trafficking in the fishing business. See, nothing but sunshine and smiles there. Next up, we have a movie called Chasing the Dragon 2, Wild Wild Bunch. Serial billionaire kidnapper Logan has been savaging Hong Kong. Now his gang is aiming the dart beyond Hong Kong at an affluent Macau regal. This is a Chinese crime drama. Yeah. And next up is a film called Bharat. Bharat is a journey of a man and a nation together. At the cusp of India's birth as an independent nation, a family makes an arduous journey to freedom. This is, wait for it, an Indian film. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is actually a really good week for movies because we have a crap ton of films in the wide releases and interesting indies. We have 11 movies, so let me get through four of these and then we will take our break, all right? So let us go into the next segment. Let us travel together into the wide releases and interesting indies. Let us start with a Netflix movie called I Am Mother. A teenage girl is raised underground by a kindly robot named Mother, who was designed to repopulate the Earth following the extinction of humankind. But their unique bond is tested when an inexplicable stranger arrives with alarming news. Maybe that news is, hey, that robot be full of sh**. 
This stars relative newcomer Clara Rugard, also stars Hilary Swank from Million Dollar Baby, and features the voice of Rose Byne. You know what? This looks good. This is a sci-fi film, and unlike that other one, unlike Project Ithaca, I'm not going to be sad because I can actually recommend this one. This looks good. This is a very interesting idea. This whole idea that this whole her whole life, this this girl, now a woman, was raised by this android, by this robot, just to find out that everything she knows is wrong. And this the only other being, the only other thing she has ever seen for her entire life may be lying to her. Or the robot is lying to her, but for completely different reasons and is really protecting her. The possibility of what this could be really excites me, and I can't wait to see this. I like Hilary Swank a lot. Clara Rugard looks like she does a good job. This just looks good. And the bonus to it is that it is a movie that's coming out on Netflix, so we will all get to see it. You know, I've been wondering something. I, I always comment that you should have Netflix, and if you listen to a show like this, why don't you have Netflix? But seriously, if you don't have Netflix for a reason other than money, like, I get it. If you cannot afford the extra money a month, I I fully understand that. Money is why I haven't seen Star Trek Discovery yet, because I don't want to pay the extra money a month just for CBS All Access. It's not worth it. So if you don't have Netflix, Hulu, uh, any of those streaming services, and it's not for a monetary reason, then let me know why. If you just hate their content, fair enough, I get that, but you hate all of their content, or just enough of it that it makes it not a good investment. Okay, but enough about that. Let's move on to the next movie, which is the first of technically three documentaries in this episode that made it past the cut. So let's talk about Loopers, The Caddy's Long Walk. This is a documentary about the bond between golfer and caddy and how the golfer needs a great caddy to win. So I'm not a huge golf fan. If it's on, I will watch it. If I get the chance to play it, I will. But I don't even own a full set of clubs. The last time I played was kind of reminiscent of that scene in Tin Cup where he's using gardening tools, except I'm not good. But anyway, this documentary still interests me because it's it seems very interesting, the history of caddying and how... It started out for some people as just a summer job. You know, some kids are just caddying in the, in the summer to get money or maybe even some minorities who that's the only way they're allowed in the club. They can't even play in the club. They can carry the white man's clubs, but they cannot play with him. But how it went from that to the caddy being this super respected presence on the golf course, like how you need a local caddy if you want to win, how much these caddies have memorized and how well they understand the greens. So even though I'm not super interested in golf, it did catch my eye. Oh, I, so I never gave a score to Mother. I am Mother. I'm sorry. I am Mother gets a 6.5 out of 11. And Loopers, the caddy's long walk, gets a 6 out of 11. Next up, we have a documentary called Pavarotti. This is a look into the life and work of opera legend Luciano Pavarotti. And this is directed by Ron Howard. All right, I remember Pavarotti. I do. I remember when he was big sh**. I remember when he did that huge, huge concert with those two other singers who were big sh**. But this documentary looks like it dives really deep into his childhood and then into his love of giving. Apparently, he was a very generous person, was involved in different charities. And I think the fact that he's been gone since September 2007, I'm guessing he was squeaky clean as far as no bats in his belfry about any up stories are going to come out later and it's good to see this it's really good to see that there are good people out there because you know what guess what there are a 
ton, a metric ton of great people out there, but we don't hear about them in the news. They're not the ones we hear stories about. Like when there's a mass shooting, we barely see any news about any good that came out of it, like maybe heroic people. I mean, there are stories, but most of the time you just see the shooter's face plastered all over the place. So not only does this documentary look good, but it looks like we're going to get to see a good life lived, and I like that. Pavarotti gets a 7 out of 11. And next up, we have a motion picture documentary. Just wait. Just wait. Framing John DeLorean is a motion picture documentary, a behind-the-scenes look at John DeLorean, and a behind-the-scenes look at the making of the movie. This is about who he was, what he did, and the truth in all the controversy, and the making of the film itself. This stars Alec Baldwin from The Edge, Morena Baccarin from Firefly, Dean Winters from John Wick, and Josh Charles from Four Brothers. So this is a documentary where they present it in a documentary fashion. Two things, they, the documentary of John DeLorean and his life, also the documentary of the making of the movie, because in between all these things are cinematic scenes acting out some of the bigger parts of John DeLorean's life. And that's really what caught my eye, just because just a documentary about John DeLorean I don't think would have made the cut. Interesting? Sure, but it, it wouldn't have done enough to grab me. But this does enough to grab me. This merging of multiple things, that actually catches my eye. And I think it's impressive that Alec Baldwin is doing this movie. I, I don't think he's too big for it or anything. I'm just thinking that they made this document or making this documentary, they have this idea and they just so happened to get the offer in front of Alec and he was like, yeah, okay, we'll do this. This looks interesting, but it looks like nothing to see in theaters. Uh, it will show a one half a documentary look at the life of John DeLorean and the other half the making of this movie and then the movie scenes where we see what happened. But just like the other documentaries, this is a very easy movie to figure out if you want to see it or not. Do you have any interest in golf caddies, in opera singers, or John DeLorean? The answer is no, 100% skip these. The answer is yes, you might want to check them out. The final one, Framing John DeLorean, gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, future fans, let's do one more and then we will get on with the first, or sorry, the second break and then we'll finish this up. So the final movie before the last break is called The Gangster, The Cop and the Devil. A well-to-do crime boss gets attacked and wounded by a serial killer. His friend, a cop, is also looking for this killer. The two work together and form a deal. The one who takes him down gets to keep him. Will the serial killer be brought to justice? Will he be killed by the crime boss? Or will the killer win the day? This stars Dong Sik Ma from Train to Busan. And this is a South Korean um, crime drama that looks quite interesting. I like this idea. I like this idea that we have this prominent mobster, this criminal, who has a friend that's a cop, but it's not your typical super dirty cop, they're both awful people relationship. You have this cop who does want to bring this guy to justice, and he's like, okay, I'll work with you. So I think that is going to add this interesting element to the movie, like how these two get along. And are they really friends, or are they friends? With sarcastic air quotes, where they just kind of get along, they deal with each other, but you'd never say that one would ever go to the other's house for, for dinner. I actually think this is the perfect movie to take the break on because it does look interesting, but from here on, all of the films are either going to be the wide releases or the indie films that actually impressed me. That's not saying I think this looks bad. I do I do think this looks good. I just think the other movies that are coming look better. But hey, if you ever want to watch a movie from South Korea, you can do a movie night and this could be one of them. It looks good, not great. 
entertaining, but ultimately okay if you miss it. The Gangster, the Cop, and the Devil gets a 7 out of 11. Alright ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Let us take our last break and then we'll come back with the rest of the wide releases and interesting indies section, so stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMPodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. The next movie we have to talk about is one called Papi Chulo. A lonely TV weatherman strikes up an unusual friendship with a middle-aged Latino migrant worker. This stars Matthew Bomer from White Collar, or Matt Bomer. I don't know why I was so, um... Formal with that. Oh, Matthew Bomer. Oh, that guy. Matt Bomer from White Collar and Alejandro Pantino from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, seriously, this guy's been in a lot more shit, but he's like the bartender or Juan. And you're not going to go, oh, that guy, he played Juan in that one movie where he was in one scene as the guy named Juan. Isn't that one of the sides, though, of being a character actor like that? Or just having bit parts is you work a lot. And also you can go out in public and no one goes, oh, you're that guy. Let's take a million pictures of you. Let's bug you when you're on dates and are out with your kids and stuff like that. But at the same time, if you meet someone and you, and you tell me you're an actor, they're like, oh, what have you been in? You're like, oh, I was in this thing. You named something huge. Like, no, you weren't. You're like, well, yeah, I was the waiter. You know, I joke, but I think the upsides of being a bit part actor like this far outweigh the downsides. And now that I think about it, a lot of them are the same thing on both sides. Like, here's the downside. You're not the lead in the movie. Here's the upside. You're not the lead in the movie. So if they need to do a bunch of reshoots, they're not going to call your ass out. Downside. You're never recognized. Upside. You're never recognized. I wouldn't mind being a bit actor. I think that'd be cool. But now this gentleman is starring in a movie with Matt Bomer, and this looks really cute. It looks fun. So this guy, played by Matt Bomer, has just been broken up with by his fiance or girlfriend or something, and he's super depressed. And something happens with some plant that's out on the deck he has, and so he goes and finds one of those people who stand outside of hardware stores, you know them, looking for work, to help with the deck. So he gets this guy to help him with the deck and just starts talking to him. And after a while, they form a friendship. And I can already see some of the some of the complaints about this movie that's, oh, it's the white savior. I mean, if you really watch a movie like Green Book or like this and that's all you see, you can probably just go f*** yourself. I mean, if those were the only movies we saw dealing with the relationships between white and minorities, then okay, you, then you would have more of an argument. But other than that, what's so wrong with telling a heartwarming story? I'll tell you, nothing. The only people who would get offended by this and movies like Green Book are the same type of people who go out into the world looking for things that offend them so they can bitch about it. And those people can get f***ed. For the rest of us, there's Papi Chulo. Which, you know what, may not be interesting to you. That's okay, whatever. It doesn't look like it's for everyone. This looks like a kind of low-key 
very low-key comedy with mainly a focus on this guy finding himself after heartbreak and how the person who helps him find himself is the most unlikely person you can think of. But here's the downside about this movie, is after watching the trailer, I think it's going to be super predictable. I think these two are going to meet because Matt Bomer's character is going to be looking for someone to help him with his deck. They become friends, and somewhere along the line, they part ways, or he just can't find the dude anymore. So he goes driving around looking for him, only to crash a birthday party or something that the guy has at his house Jumping a fence for some f***ing weird reason, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't know how doors work. So I think the arc of the story will go, they meet, they become friends, they become close friends, the guy disappears, he goes looking for him, they get back together, and then it will end one of two ways. They either stay friends, good buddies, or they have to part ways, but they will always remember the time they had together. So basically what we have is a seemingly predictable, it could not be, but seemingly predictable feel-good movie that I think is equally skippable and enjoyable. If you watch this, I think you'll like it. If you miss it, I don't think you'll miss out. Poppy Chulo gets a 7 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, next up is something that I think might be up Brian Q's alley, so pay attention. I, I guess that's assuming you don't usually pay attention. Maybe you just have the show on, like, oh, it's like background noise. It's very, it's very good white noise to fall asleep to. All I hear is wah, 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 like a Peanuts teacher. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, yes, Billiam, that's a good idea. Wah, 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 wah. That movie is called Funan. This is about the survival and the struggle of parents separated from their four-year-old son during the Khmer Rouge Revolution. This is a French-produced animated film from a Cambodian writer and director. And no, I didn't just put this in the wide releases in Interesting Indies because it's about a topic that Brian Q has mentioned in some of his answers for the question of the week before. I put this in this section because it actually looks really good and this kind of reminds me of Waltz with Bashir, a, a great animated movie you've probably heard me talk about before. If you've never seen it, check it out, but it reminds me about Waltz with Bashir just in the sense that we have this animated movie that's going to be telling us this story that's really, really heavy, based heavily on reality. Actually, I think Waltz with Bashir was a true story. I don't think this one is, but it could have really happened. Like, none of what I saw in the trailer was way out there at all. So we have what is normally a medium for fun family movies, or porno, depending on what kind of animation you watch, he says, totally ignoring normal anime. And instead of that stuff, you have this heavy historical drama. And there's always a risk with a foreign animated movie, not just that, one that's not from one of the big foreign companies. At least I, I assume this isn't one of them. So when you have those factors to keep in mind, one of the downsides of movies like this is the fact that the animation style can really be affected. And I know that seems like an elitist thing to say, but let's face it, animation quality can really affect how a movie is received. That's why I think Pixar does such a good job, because they have good stories, they, they, they put out a good product, and it looks great. And that's why some of these movies that are put out that I, I usually talk shit about from these animation companies that aren't Pixar, that aren't Disney, which I know owns Pixar, but stay with me, that aren't Illumination, that aren't DreamWorks, when they put out these movies that are less than top-notch when it comes to their quality and the story isn't up to par compared to what we're used to, it really suffers. Like I mentioned earlier with that movie that, again, I'm going to bring up Brian Q, 
because he recommends a lot of movies to me. And I, I, I watch a fraction of them because I'm a terrible human being. But one reason I was so impressed with Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story, it wasn't animated, you know, it was with dolls. But one reason I was so impressed is that I did care that I did like this movie featuring Barbie dolls. And that the quality, because I watched on YouTube, the quality wasn't even that good. If the quality of what they put out in that movie, the quality of the story or the delivery or anything, if, if anything else had suffered, I think it would be unwatchable. And that's what I think Funan hits on the right notes. Everything seems good enough or better. The story seems really good, like a high quality story. The animation is acceptable, if not even good. And also it's not some animator that has some super unique style that they're going to try to pass off as art, which nothing wrong with that per se, but that really, when a movie like that comes out, it really narrows down who the movie is meant for. So a movie like this, is a little more accessible, thus can reach more audiences, and thus we can tell more stories, more stories that need to be told. And yes, even though this one is fiction, shit like this probably really happened, and worse. So I think this film has a lot going for it. It does a lot right. Maybe it's not the kind of film you rewatch a lot just because of the heavy content, but I think it's worth at least watching that one time. Funan gets a nine out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, next up on the list and the first wide release that is not the pick of the week is, of course, Dark Phoenix. In this, Fox's final chance to sh** the bed, Jean Grey begins to develop incredible powers because she wasn't f***ing terrifying enough as it was. As she slowly turns into Dark Phoenix, the X-Men must decide if the life of their team member is worth more than the people living in the world. In short, they're terrible heroes because this is even a question. This stars? Actually, I don't give a f You don't need to know who's in it because you shouldn't watch this. This looks like shit. And this is probably going to be another example of one of the times where Rotten Tomatoes actually gets it right. So far, even the douchiest of douchebag critics hate this film. And so far, fan opinion isn't far behind. I'm still very disappointed that I... I hate these movies as much as I do because when they first started with X-Men First Class, I was really stoked. Even with Jennifer Lawrence, and you guys know how much I hate Jennifer Lawrence, but I really liked the first one and then the next one, which I do believe was Days of Future Past, right? I thought that one was really good too. It was obviously less than First Class, but I think it was still really fun. And then just... The bed. And then they throw Sophie Turner at us. And I know she's been in the series. This isn't her first movie, but they give us Sophie Turner, who really needs to pull a Kristen Stewart and escape a bit and work in the indies and hone her craft. Because I think she does have promise. Right now, we're just not seeing it. But even then, if the movie overall looked better, the few poor casting choices they made would be made up for in the fact that A, if they had a better to present us, and the fact that we have people like Mac Michael Fassbender, Jessica Chastain, and James McAvoy in it. Even though in the trailers it looks like Jessica Chastain is doing her best impersonation of Patricia Arquette from Medium. And while I have liked Patricia Arquette, that was the most boring she has ever been. But here's the thing. When Medium was really popular, I saw an interview with the person Medium was based off of. And Patricia Arquette was actually doing a very good impersonation of this woman. It just so happens that the woman Medium was based off of was boring as shit. Wow, that was a tangent, wasn't it? Let's get back on track. Um, this looks terrible. I know it. 
you know it. At this point, the only reason to watch this movie is the Quicksilver scene, which you can already see online. And I'm pretty sure that Jennifer Lawrence dies in the beginning because there's that scene where they're they're at a funeral and then in one scene, Jean Grey is saying like, oh, she was my friend. So maybe that could be interesting. But other than that, this movie looks like it's going to be a dumpster fire and not one of those interesting dumpster fires. You know, one of those movies that are so bad, it's good. No, no, this, this just looks bad. Dark Phoenix gets a one out of 11. Quicksilver gave it a one. All right, folks, next up we have The Secret Life of Pets 2. This is the continuing story of Max and his pet friends following their secret lives after their owners leave them for work or school each day. This features the voices of, in no particular order, Patton Oswalt, Kevin Hart, Harrison Ford, Jenny Slate, Eric Stone Street, Tiffany Haddish, Dana Carvey, Bobby Manahan, Hannibal Burris, Ellie Kemper, Pete Holmes, and Nick Kroll. And here's the deal. Uh, it looks good. It looks cute. It looks fun. This looks like a great family movie. If you and your family saw the first one and you liked it, see this one. It looks just as good. If you didn't see the first one, skip this 100%. It doesn't look like you'd be missing out. In fact, this looks like a good movie to just wait and then see if they bundle it together and sell it for a cheaper price. Just because it looks entertaining. I, I never actually saw the first one all the way through. I saw parts, but this doesn't look like the type of movie that you'd be so into that you'd need the complete box set. It's like I waited for a box set of the Fast and Furious movies that came out that had the first seven. That would be the Paul Walker arc. And when box sets with five and six were coming out, it's like, oh, idiots are going to be making more. But I wouldn't say the same thing about this, because it's not like when they're done making the Secret Life of Pets movies, they're going to come out with like, oh, this collector's edition you just have to have. So if you don't have a love of the first one, if you don't have a family that you like to take out to movie nights, if you don't have some reason that seeing this in theaters would be a really good idea, then I 100% say wait, wait for Black Friday to come around, see if they bundle it, or maybe just get both of them for cheap. Because it looks entertaining, it looks cute, but not nearly enough to see in theaters. The Secret Life of Pets 2 gets a 7 out of 11. All right, folks, we have two movies left, and the next one, which is not the pick of the week, is the final wide release. I know, right? I surprise even myself. Well, the next movie is called Late Night. A late night talk show host is told she's being replaced and must work with her writing team, who hates her, to start getting better ratings so she won't be replaced. Her only hope is the new hire, Molly, who may be the breath of fresh air the show needs. This stars Emma Thompson from Love Actually and Mindy Kaling from The Mindy Project. Uh, this is a movie that was at least co-written, uh, let's see, nope, fully written by Mindy Kaling and directed by, uh, what's her name, directed by Nisha Ganatra, who has done many episodes of different TV comedies like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Future Man, Fresh Off the Boat, Dear White People. So now the question for you is, how do you feel about Mindy Kaling's type of comedy? Because Mindy Kaling, just like Will Ferrell, just like Melissa McCarthy, just like Amy Schumer, just like Steve Carell when he still did comedies, is a type of comedian that you can know right away if you're going to like a movie they're in because it's it's their niche. It's their type of comedy. Though I do think Mindy Kaling's type of comedy is less of a specific style like Will Ferrell, 
like Melissa McCarthy and, and people like that. And most of the time, people just don't like her. But I think this movie does look funny. If I didn't have this next film, which is an indie film that I think looks really good, if I didn't have it, Late Night would be the pick of the week because I think this is the best looking of the wide releases. It's an interesting idea for a comedy. It's kind of like that old Billy Crystal comedy that's f***ing fantastic called Mr. Saturday Night and the Melissa McCarthy movie, The Boss. I think if you combine those two, I think that's what you have here. Or actually maybe more of a toned down version of The Devil Wears Prada. A quick note, if you hear a word, weird noise, it's really hot in here, so I have to have the window open and there's this ass bird that's just sitting outside and he won't go the f*** away. I tried yelling at him going, hey, you bird, get out of here. I don't like your kind here, stupid featherhead. But even racial slurs did nothing to get this bird away from me. Wait, is featherhead actually a racial slur? God, I hope it isn't. Okay, just for the sake of argument, let me believe it's not. Okay, back to Late Night. This is a familiar story that just has new actresses put in the place of the old ones, and I think it does look good. I still think Mindy Kaling's style of comedy is benign enough that it won't drive too many people away. And if for some weird reason you just don't like her, maybe try getting the f*** over it and just checking this out, because it looks like it could be good. I mean, it's not like she's Amy Schumer or that bitch from Girls or allegedly Johnny Depp, where there's a actual reason not to like this person because of things they have done. I think she just tends to rub people the wrong way. An another possible reason, now that I think of it, is because potentially part of the reason why Emma Thompson's character is such a biatch is because of how hard it was for her to get where she was, being a woman. And if reactions to Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman has, have taught us anything, there's some people out there who just get really angry when you try to tell stories about women. But let's face it, it was, and still is, harder for women in the workplace. And if for some reason that story angers you, um... Okay, I'm sorry you're such a weak person who's so easily offended. Maybe give your balls a tug and try not to be so much of a pussy. I don't know what to tell you. But for the rest of us, I think this would be a, a fine movie. I don't think it'd be great or entirely memorable, but I think it would be entertaining enough to be enjoyable. No matter which way the angle of this movie goes when describing why Emma Thompson is so bitchy, either way, I think this is going to be an enjoyable movie. But just like Secret Life of Pets 2, just like... Papi Chulo. Just like a lot of the movies I talk about that I do like, if you miss it, I don't think you're really going to miss out on something. If you see it, great. If you don't, whatever. Late Night gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for my pick of the week. And this may be a movie you've never heard of because I had no idea about this one. And now I'm excited for it. This movie is called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. A young man searches for a home in a changing city that seems to have left him behind. Along with his best friend, they stumble upon what they think was a house from their past and find it empty, so they start to use it. This star's newcomer, Jimmy Fails, I shit you not, Fails is his last name, also has Jonathan Majors from Captive State, Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon, Tachina Arnold from Everybody Hates Chris, Rob Morgan from Stranger Things, Mike Epps from The Hangover, Thora Birch from American Beauty, Finn Whitrock from American Horror Story, and of all people, Jello Biafra. Jello f***ing Biafra, former presidential candidate Jello Biafra, and lead singer for the Dead Kennedys Jello Biafra. I haven't thought of that guy in so long. For me, there are multiple reasons why I like this movie. I love San Francisco. I've been visiting there since I was a little kid. Uh, I'm going there tomorrow, the day this show drops, for a concert with some friends, or actually now a friend, since Evan's no longer going, 
fucking loser with your responsibilities. See, man, this is why you get cats. This is why you get cats. You won't be coming home too late. Just make sure there's plenty of litter in the litter box, plenty of food in the bowls. They'll be fine. I'm kidding. He has a badass dog. I love him. But enough of that tangent. I love anything that celebrates places I love. And I love San Francisco. It's in my top three favorite big cities. The order being San Francisco, Seattle, New Orleans. And nothing against New Orleans for having y'all be down third place on the list. I just have special connections to the other places. So we have the fact that it's t it takes place in a city and the, and the film celebrates the city. But it's also this very interesting idea. So we have these two people who've been best friends for their whole lives. And now in their adult life, they're finding that things aren't the way they were anymore. And I'm also impressed with the fact that this just isn't a movie talking about gentrification. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if that's one of the topics of the movie, but it's not just about, oh, you know, all these rich white people moving in and we have to move out. Blah, blah, blah. Because you all know how much I hate movies that just have like one political idea behind it and harp on it the whole time it's weak it's not a good way to support your cause but there's more to the changing city than just that or if even that is something they touch on Shit. changes from from when you were a kid watsonville the city i grew up in is almost nothing like it was when I grew up, across the street from my grandpa's house was this big hill. And on the top of the hill, it was flattened a bit. And there were cows and bison up there. And some people built this little this little track for BMX bikes. And it was cool. And it was just a great place to hang out. Then it was leveled and it became a Target shopping center. And don't even get me wrong. I use the shit out of that shopping center. I go to the Target. I go to the Staples. I've been to the Food Max. It has a yogurt land. A yogurt land, which, which Anne as a white woman is genetically meant to love but even though i use it I, I still kind of miss the way it was and i think that's the lens that they're going with with this movie of it is san francisco it is a city i grew up in but it's also not the city i grew up in anymore so as these two people who are basically brothers are living in this abandoned house, basically, you know, squatting in this abandoned house, start hanging out there, having parties there, the question is, will they stay in the city? Will they even stay together? Will maybe one of them realize that I, I have to go now? My time, in, my time in the city is done and they part ways. So is this going to be a story about finding the love for a city again, finding the love for your hometown, or will this be the parting of ways in more than one way? Is the, is the separation between him and Sa one of the guys and San Francisco symbolic of the separation between one of the guys and his friend? So I think this movie has a lot of promise. I think it's going to be good, but guess what? Guess what I'm going to say? Just sit there and try to think how Billiam thinks. I mean, don't try too hard. It's really weird in this head but guess what maybe this is a week where you don't see something new in theaters because even though i think this movie is going to be good not necessarily something you have to see right now this is one of those weird weeks where it is a good week for movies because there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out but then no no real reason to go to the theater because i said it before in some cases when you think about the cost of the ticket the cost of any snacks you may get the cost of the gas or if you take the bus or uber that that cost there when you take all that into account sometimes it's better just to wait and buy a movie which i think i may do for this one the last black man in san francisco looks like a very interesting movie that could potentially be either a love song for a city or a sad ballad saying goodbye to it either way it's the best movie this week the last black man in san francisco gets an 8.5 out of 11. all right everyone it is time for the question of the week and i am sorry 
that I forgot to post a reminder, but luckily we did get some answers anyway. And remember, it is never too late to answer a question of the week. Any of them. Though please, I, I just thought of this, if you do answer a question from a while back, please remind me of what the question was? Maybe? But I seriously challenge someone to do this, if you go back and answer all of the questions, I will take the time to read and respond to all of them. And God help me if anyone ever does that. Just as a reminder, the question of the week was, who would you like to see go up against Godzilla? And this could have been funny or it could have been serious. So we're going to turn to SoundCloud first. And before I read the answers to the question of the week, we're going to talk about this comment that Anthony R made. He says, Avatar is dances with wolves in the future. And I want to thank you because I've heard that comparison before and I completely forgot about it. And it's so right because bare bones, the plot is the same. This guy sees what's going on with these native peoples and he's like, hey, that shit's not right. And then to use a super un-PC term, he goes native. But in this movie, instead of dancing with a wolf, he flies on one of those weird pterodactyl things. I don't know what they're called. I mean, I literally have a browser window open up right here and I cannot be bothered to Google it. Well, thank you for that comment. Let's talk about your answer for the question of the week. He says the cast of the Expendables. So you fight one dinosaur with a group of dinosaurs. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to make that joke because we, we all know Godzilla isn't a dinosaur. He's a uh, lizard that was hit with a ton of radiation from Hiroshima and turned into Godzilla. Yeah, remember how dark his fucking origin story was? I think that's why for the 90s Godzilla or 90s or early 2000s, whatever. I think for that one, I think that's why they changed it. Uh, so it was a nuclear experiment instead of, you know, the bombing of Japan. And we all know that in, in this movie where Godzilla meets the Expendables, Dolph Lundgren will go all rogue again, join like King Yodra for a bit, then come back at the end. Oh, I'm I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd watch that. And Frat Matt. Frat Matt says John Wick. And I bet you somewhere in John Wick's amazing training was how to fight a huge f***ing monster. God, I forgot if it was Anne that was saying this or, or someone was saying this. Like, can, can't you just see John Wick and he's walking down the street looking around and just in the back you see Godzilla with a trench coat on trying to hide himself, trying to be all stealthy. Oh, I thought that was an assassin coming to kill me, but it's just a building sized mutated monster wearing a trench coat. Oh, that's it. Thank you very much, Frat Matt. We then turn to Evan, Evan, who answered either Megatron or Optimus Prime. See, here I thought he was going to go Megazord because he loves the Power Rangers like any good nerd does. At least any nerd who was a child at some point during the 90s. But no, he went Megatron or Optimus Prime, which I think that would be cool. You can do that. Keep Michael Bay the f away from it and I would watch that movie. And depending on who you picked, it would be a different movie. With Megatron, he'd just try to f***ing kill him with Optimus Prime. They would battle a bit and maybe they would eventually work on the same side. Oh, we didn't get anything from Twitter, but we did. what we did get on Twitter was Brian Q telling me what type of musical he would have liked Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer to be and he says he was envisioning an Italian opera, which I think would be really cool. There's just something about Italian opera and murder that go really well together. Maybe The Godfather made me love that. I don't know. Let's get to Anne's answer. She says Jigsaw. Can you imagine the type of traps Jigsaw would have to make for Godzilla? Like he makes the biggest reverse bear trap possible. Like Godzilla comes to in the middle of the city, just I want to play a game. You have to make your way out of the city, but some of the buildings are filled with deadly gas. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people I'd like to see Jigsaw up against. That'd be pretty cool. And it's actually time for my answer now. And my answer actually made me think of Dan from the Watch Your Mouth podcast. Because my answer 
is Manji from Blade of the Immortal. How many times would Godzilla ruin him until he could actually kill Godzilla? That's who I'd like to see. I was going to say One Punch Man, but I really don't think that'd be interesting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this episode. Let me send you along your way with the next question of the week, which is as follows. Uh, this is actually a question that I have in the back burner. Uh, I may have said this before. I have a list of questions for when I can think of one based on the movies released. But Anthony R's comment on Avatar made me think of this. So thank you for that. Take a movie and switch the genre. Which movie and which genre? I don't think I've done this one before, but if I have, pick something different, have fun with it. So in the same way that Anthony R said that Avatar is basically Dances with Wolves in the future, in that same vein, take a movie and switch the genre. Well, my future fans, that is it for this episode. Let's wrap this up with the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. Thank you very much. And then also share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow here. Also, how do you reach me? That is a great question. Thank you very much for asking. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Check out our two tiers. And if you don't like one of those, if you don't think the $5 is enough, give us whatever you think we have earned. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out those hideous chuds at the Watch Your Mouth podcast who have gone down to a bi-weekly show, which I will never ever forgive them for. Also, don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.